Very good afternoon to you from the pavilion of the National Eisteddfod of Wales, where over 8,000 people here in the pavilion and many more thousands outside have been listening attentively now for the last quarter of an hour or so to the adjudication of this year's crown poem. Well, Rodanin Tree and Catino, Vodemagerts in Hedi Gobber. A her there are you, Hono. Now, the adjudicator has just announced that there is to be a crowning this year, and the winner is Errari. Now, the Archdroid of Wales comes forward to call on the winning bar to stand up somewhere in this great pavilion. Now, from my commentary position, my my window on the Eisteddfodic world, as it were, that overhangs the stage, I'm looking out now on a scene of absolute stillness. The crowd are awaiting the moment when all their guesses and conjectures will be proved right or wrong. Ah, yes. Now, there's a movement right at the back of the pavilion on the far left. And, of course, the annual trouble that other people stand up to see who the bard is when he stands up. But, um, yes, I can see him now. Yes, right at the back there. Of course, it's too far away for me to recognize him at the moment. I hope to be able to tell you who he is quite soon. It's, it's a man. Oh, yes, women win this competition now and again, you know. And now, as the organ plays, the robing party make their way along the aisle to robe the victor in the ceremonial purple and to escort him to the stage. And this robing party is led by John Apris, the herald bard, and he has with him the mistress of the robes and the two attendant bards. And now the hitherto unknown poet has been robed and he starts his journey down the centre aisle towards the photographers and the cameramen huddled round the steps which lead up to the pavilion stage. There he is, the hero of the hour, soon to be crowned, laughing, waving as he strides along. One or two people, I should imagine, who obviously know him, just giving him a little slap on the back as he goes past. And now the applause swells and grows. He reaches the steps and, still escorted by his fellow bards, he climbs onto the stage to be greeted by the archdruider. Um, he, he almost fell there, but um, uh, it's the Herald Bard, he's used to coping with emergencies. He was there on hand, and now he's escorted him, and the poet is safely seated as we wait for that dramatic moment that happens every year at the Eisteddfod, the announcement of his name by the Archdruid. Bar the Goran Eleni, you Hodri Rogers. The Archdruid has just announced that this year's winner is Rodri Rogers, the Welsh-American poet, who's made quite a name for himself since he came over here to live some five years ago. What a triumph for a man who first had to learn Welsh when he came... Nevoi Vaur! He's fallen. Uh, it, it would appear that Rodri Rogers has been taken ill. He's slipped from the chair of honour. He's lying face down on the platform. Uh, Mr. Myrion Matthews, the Estethwood secretary, has rushed up. There are one or two other officials attending to him. And I, it seems likely that the excitement of the moment has been a little too much for Mr. Rogers. 
Well, now, the Estevan authorities have clearly been thrown into some confusion by this unexpected turn of events. I think that, um, yes, uh, the inevitable solution to any crisis at the Eisteddfod, and I'm sure that we'll all be glad of this, the master of ceremonies is going to conduct this great congregation in a Welsh hill. Excuse me. Come along, Mary. Hang on to me. It's okay. Excuse me, please. Oh. Oh. Here we are. Is this the place? Yes, that's it. Headley means police. Sorry, sir, you can't go in there. Strict orders, sir. Is the chief constable there? Well, yes, sir, but I'm afraid I can't let anybody through just now. Tell him that Detective Superintendent Wright and Mrs. Wright are outside, will you? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Certainly. Uh, if you'd wait a minute, I'll be right back, sir. What's happened, John? Well, it looks as though the Chief's got embroiled in the collapse of your Welsh poet. My Welsh poet, indeed. Oh, hello, Chief Constable. Mary, I've been looking forward to seeing you at the Estelbert all day, but now... Oh, how are you, John? I'm fine, thanks, Chief. Good. Well, it's been a most interesting day for an English foreigner. You could say that. Were you there when Rodri was killed? Killed? Killed. You mean he's dead? Yes. But we thought he'd had a heart attack. Uh, look, uh, better come inside. Too many big ears out here. Now, this is um, Detective Sergeant Williams in charge of the Estelbert Four this week. Sergeant, these are two very good friends of mine, Detective Superintendent Wright and Mrs. Wright. How do you do, sir? Hello, How do you do, Mrs. Wright? Um, Chief, if this is a murder investigation, would you rather I disappear? Well, as a matter Yes, Mary, it might be best if you went back to the hotel. I'll join you there as soon as I can. Yes, all right. I'll see you out, Mrs. Wright. No, 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 thank you, Sergeant. I can find my own way. I won't disturb you any further. Well, it's uh, murder, all right, John. Tell me, where were you sitting, by the way? About uh, ten rows back, near the centre aisle. So you had a pretty good view of what happened. Mm -hmm. Rogers, if you remember, came through the audience with his escorts and up the stairs onto the platform. Facing him, at the rear of the platform, were the bards. In their white, blue and green robes, very colourful. And as Rogers stood at the top of the stairs... He tripped. Everyone thought he'd tripped, sir, but that was the moment when he was shot. Correct. And the Herald Bard helped him into the chair, and the next thing we knew... Well, there he was, on the floor, dead. Well, at first, people thought he was dead drunk or that he'd had a heart attack. It was only when the doctor pulled back the robe and saw the blood that anybody thought otherwise. Now, let me get this clear. Rogers was shot from the front when he had his back to the audience. Exactly. Which means that somebody already on the platform must have done it. And the only people on the platform were bards. Hmm. Yes. He was shot by one of his own. Makes it worse somehow, doesn't it, sir? Uh, look, John, this is not an ordinary murder. It happened on a very solemn occasion in front of 8,000 people and two yards away from 20 reporters and photographers. I mean, damn it all, it was even on television. At the moment, we're pretty short of senior men in this force. I, I know you're on leave, but... No, look, can you help us? Well, sir, if you can square it with my chief... I can square it with your chief. Can you square it with Mary? I think I can find a reason, sir. After all, she uh, 
was a witness. Yes. One of 8,000. Rodri Rogers. Who was Rodri? Well, now, let oh, me Oh, Mr. Think. Matthews here is the Etevold secretary. Uh, and this I is see. Mr. John Apries. Oh, how How do you know Mr. Apries led the robbing party to collect Rodri, if, uh, if collect is the right word. <laughs> I think you were telling the super about Rodri, uh, Mr. Matthews. Oh, yes. A, a strange man. Everything about him was strange. Born in America of a Welsh mother who told him stories of Wales. Came over here after university on a holiday and just never went back again. Mm, yes, mm. one of his best poems is about how he discovered himself as well as Wales mm. when he came over here. Well, whatever the rest of his life was, he was a marvellous poet, mind. When he was at university in America, he had made a real reputation writing in English. Yes, and then to come to Wales, learn the language and handle it with absolute mastery in five years, oh. well, that takes some doing. I, uh, I think it might be fair to answer that there were other reasons apart from poetry why Mr. Rogers was happy to stay here in Europe. Well, go on, Sergeant. Well, sir. Oh, don't mind us, Sergeant. Uh, Rodri is dead. And anyway, everybody in Wales knew about his political activities. No? Well, he'd been a student leader in the States, you see, sir. Very left-wing and so on. He hadn't been over here very long before he was, well, more of a nationalist than a nationalist. Yes, I see. In fact, he was a founder member of a very way-out group which we were keeping an eye on. Oh, oh be fair, Sergeant. He left Gerwin Arvon's lot a very good while ago. Oh, that's true, sir. We understand there was some kind of big row. Nobody's quite sure what it was about. But I gather that, among other things, uh, Mrs. Roger didn't approve of the movement. Good God, yes. Oh, young Harrod. What's happened about her? Has she been torn? Well, she probably saw the whole thing. Uh, no, sir. Fortunately, she was still in town. She first heard about it from WPC Davis. I oh. sent around to inform her. Oh, oh poor girl. Oh, she's gone back home now, sir, after, well, doing the necessary. She didn't want anybody with her. She just said she wanted to be quiet. Oh, well, she always was a quiet one. Uh, she's a sculptress, you know. Oh, really? Exhibitions in London and pieces in some of the big museums. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, she taught Rodri Welsh, because he didn't know much when he came here. In fact, she just about gave up her career to look after him. I see. Well, now, gentlemen, let's get down to business. And first, will you please remember that I am an English visitor and that I don't understand your rituals? Oh, yes, <laughs> of course. Now, to begin with, the crowning ceremony opens with white-robed bards processing through the pavilion onto the stage and then joining other bards in blue and green robes on raised seats at the back of the platform. Yes, yes, but the blues and greens enter from the back of the stage, and they're in position before the ceremony starts. And what's so special about the whites? Well, the white is for former winners of poem competitions at the Estevot, and it's also an honorary award to people who have done great things for Wales. Mm -hmm. We can't give people an OBE, so we give them a white robe instead. <laughs> <laughs> How do you become a blue or green robe? Oh, uh, mostly by examination in music and literature. Yes. There are a lot more greens and blues than whites. If they all turned up at the Estevod, we'd be in trouble, I can tell you. Now, the chief Estevod officials were those in the gold robes, standing at either end of the main platform. Yes, that's, yes, right. that's right, yes. Mm -hmm. The archdruid, the registrar, the herald bard, and so on. They all have parts to play in the ceremony, you see, so they were pretty busy, weren't they? Yes. Mr. Apreece, yes. tell me what happened when you took the robing party to fetch Rodri Rogers. Well, uh, the first thing that was apparent to us when we reached him was that he was drunk. Mm, drunk? Yes. The whiff of whiskey was terrible, and we had to hold him up straight while the mistress of the wardrobe got his robe on. Luckily, the ceremony requires him to be marched along with one man at either side, yes, yes. and I can tell you they were needed. What happened on the stairs? Well, that was the worst part, because all the photographers were taking their snaps. At the top of the stairs, we had to let go of him, because the archdruid comes forward then and greets him. That was when he was shot? I suppose so, Though, of course, well, he didn't know it at the time. Yeah, of course not. His knees buckled, and I just thought that the drink had finally got him. Mm, uh, there was no time to explain to the archdruid, so I pushed past him and practically carried Rodri into the chair of honour. Yeah. I growled at him to sit still and shut up. 
And then I went back to stand in my place. And when Mr. Rogers slipped off the chair onto the floor? Well, then it was up to me, as secretary of the estate, to do something. Well, luckily, one of the bards sitting at the back was a doctor, and he came over to help me. Yes, that's right. I thought he'd had a heart attack, you see. But when we pulled back the purple cloak and turned him over, well, we could see the blood mm. and the little hole in Rodri's shirt, right over the heart. He was quite dead. Oh, terrible. Oh, shocking, shocking indeed. Uh, sir, shall I... Uh... Yeah, go ahead, Sergeant. Well, from what we know already, sir, is 99% certain that the bullet which killed Mr. Rogers was fired from the rows of seats at the back of the stage. Back where of all the, the bars were sitting. Oh, well, Do you? Well, it's too early to say for certain at the moment, but from the angle of the bullet's entry, we think that the murderer was fairly near the front. We know you were sitting near enough in the middle of a row, anyway. Now then, Mr. Matthews, mm. how can we find out who was in a position to have fired the shot? Oh, well, now that would be difficult. You see, the bars aren't seated in any particular order. Just the whites with the whites, the blues behind, and then the greens. Yes, yes, but if he were sitting in the third or fourth rows, he'd be pretty sure to be a blue. Well, yes, let's leave that question for the moment. I'm assuming that the killer had the gun hidden in the folds of his robe or up his sleeve or something, and that he used a silencer. But even with a silencer, there's a certain amount of noise. Mm. Now, why did no one report any of that? Well, uh, uh, my <coughs> fault, in a way, I suppose. Uh, you see, as soon as I knew it was murder, I rushed off to find Sergeant Williams here. Um, but by the time I got back, Rodri's body had been carried off the stage, and they were trying to get a hymn going. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of confusion, you see. And the Archdruid still thought that Rodri had died of a heart attack. So during the singing, he had all the bards marched off the platform, out the back way, and onto the buses, isn't buses? it? Buses? What buses? Well, sir, the bards changed into their robes at a church hall in the town, and then they're driven the two miles to the Ascetal grounds in, in these special buses. And then after the ceremony is over, they go back again the same way. You see, see, you can never hold the Estevot in the centre of the town. It's too big, especially for a little country town like this. Well, I don't want to keep you gentlemen too long this evening, so I'll restrict myself to one basic question. Oh. It's a simple why. Why would anyone wish to kill Rodri Rogers? Well, that's a bit too simple, isn't it, Superintendent? I mean... What you're really asking is, why should a member of the Gothsale Bards wish to kill Rodri? Well, could he be a jealous rival? Someone who would hope to win the crown himself? Oh, no, never, no, not never. at all. That won't wash. Not unless the murderer was going to kill the winner, whoever he was. What do you mean? You see, we arrange it very carefully. That no one but the secretary of the Estedward, and that's me, knows who has won the crown before the actual ceremony. Yes, but, it but how is that? like this. The poet sends in his entry under a pen name. Mm -hmm. He also sends in a sealed envelope with his pen name on the outside and his real name on a bit of paper inside. Mm -hmm. Now, when the adjudicators decide on the winner, they tell me his pen name and then I open the envelope a few days before the ceremony. Yes, I understand. Then I write to the winning poet and impress upon him not to tell a living soul apart from his wife that he's won and arrange for him to occupy a seat at the back of the pavilion on the Tuesday afternoon. Wait a minute, though, Mr. Matthews. Mm. I read in one of the papers this morning that Rodri Rogers was likely to win the crown. <laughs> and if you'd read some of the other papers, you'd have read other names. Yes. <laughs> the press always have a go at finding out. But they're more often wrong than right. Well, <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> no doubt I'll be talking to you again during the next few days. Oh, yes, thank you. Naturally. But I think I'd better pay my respects well, to Mrs. Yeah, Rogers now. She lives in the neighborhood, doesn't she, Sergeant? Yeah, about 15 miles, sir. Bit of a rough road. Had we better warn him we're coming? No chance, I'm afraid, sir. Her phone's out of order. Is there much more of this, Sergeant? Oh, not much more now, sir, no. That telephone kiosk over there, that's the last outpost of civilization. Oh, there it is now, sir. That's the house there. What's that large outbuilding at the side? Oh, that'll be her studio, sir. That's where she does all her sculpture and things. <coughs> 
doors open. Look as if she's there now. It's a bit funny, isn't it, sir? That's what happened to her this afternoon. Well, let's take a look. Hello, who's there? Uh, good evening, Mrs. Rogers. I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm Detective Superintendent Wright, and I'm looking oh, into the unfortunate... Come in, please, both of you. You're working late, Mrs. Rogers? Yes, it's a, it's a very strange thing. For years, I've been trying to do a good head of Rodrigue Clay, and somehow I could never get it right. But this evening, when I got back from... Well, from it all, I... I came straight out here and started work knowing I... I can't explain it, but knowing it would be good. I'm all the more sorry, then, that I have to interrupt. Oh, that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm really too tired to go on anyway. I, I'll just cover it with a cloth. Oh, please, please sit down. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Rogers, can you please tell us and take your time all the events of this day and anything important about the days that led up to it? Oh, oh dear. Would you rather I left it till tomorrow? No, 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 it's all right. Uh, well, I, I suppose it all began about ten days ago when we got the letter telling Rodri he'd won the crown. He was, he was terribly excited, and you couldn't blame him, honestly. Winning the crown five years after starting to learn Welsh, that's really something. Apart from telling you that he'd won, did he mention it to anybody else? Well, he wasn't supposed to, and I, I don't think he did, not when I was there, that's for sure. But then he wasn't home all that much last week. Where did he go? I didn't ask. But he hadn't really been sober since he got the news, so he was either drinking or sleeping it off somewhere or other. Mr. Rogers was a heavy drinker, I understand. Yet he had no job, and he drew no unemployment pay. You haven't asked a question, Superintendent, but I'll answer it anyway. He lived on me. I have some money of my own, or had. I also made quite a lot when I was working in London, when my sculptures were selling well, but... Well, when I married Rodri, he made it perfectly plain that his business in life was poetry. It was up to others to support him. I must say, he kept his word. He did publish a lot of poetry, Mrs. Rogers. I've read some of it myself. Didn't that bring in anything? About enough to pay for the paper and the stamps. And the trouble is, I haven't been earning myself very much lately. I... I haven't really been in the mood. Of course, unless you're in London, you can very quickly be forgotten. Mrs. Rogers, what time did you leave the house this morning? About ten o'clock. Rodri had got back in the small hours, but I managed to get him up early because I wanted to do some shopping before we went to the Ice Devil. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you had intended to see the crowning originally? Oh, yes, I was looking forward to it until we had the row. We parked, as usual, in front of the feathers, and I wanted a cup of coffee in the lounge before doing my shopping. Unfortunately, I'd forgotten that the place had an all-day license because the Astethvod was on. As you can imagine, I, I never got my cup of coffee. Well, after about half an hour in the bar, I, I left Rodri and went to do my shopping. An hour later, when I returned, he was getting drunk. I know the signs. So I told him to come away immediately. I was afraid he would disgrace himself at the ceremony, but, but of course I couldn't say that with all those other people in the bar. Mm. <clears throat> well, one word led to another. I'm afraid I lost my temper. I was as bad as he was. And finally, I told a couple of his cronies that they could take him to the Ice Devil, and I walked out. 
They'll probably tell you that my last words to him were, I'm off home and I never want to see you again. You didn't go home, though? No. No, somehow I couldn't do that. Anyway, I needed to cool down a bit. The river flows just behind the feathers and there's a nice little walk along the bank there. I just walked, sat. It was a beautiful warm afternoon. Eventually I fell asleep. Anybody see you? Well, there was a couple lying down about 20 yards away, but I don't think they were very interested in other people. Mm. What time did you wake up? I remember looking at my watch and it was about a quarter to three. I, I hurried back to the car to listen to the ceremony on the radio. And I, I couldn't understand why they were just playing records instead. Though the announcer did say they were unable to return to the Eisteddfod field, I, I thought he meant they'd had a technical hitch or something. What happened then? Well, after about half an hour, I saw the coach coming back with the bards, and I saw them going into the church hall opposite to change, so I walked over to see if Roger was with them. And then I met this policewoman. Mrs. Rogers, you told WPC Davis that you'd been too nervous to go to the ceremony. What did you mean by that? Well, as I told you, Roger was very excited. He had a great deal to drink. Quite frankly, I didn't want to be around if he was going to make an exhibition of himself. You weren't nervous because any threats had been made to your husband? Threats? Good heavens, no. Well, did Mr. Rogers have any enemies? Rodri used to say, with friends like mine, who needs enemies? Well, sir, where do we go from here? Back to the Royal Oak and a meal, I hope. Oh, but there's one thing I want done before tomorrow morning, sir. Yes, sir? And that's a thorough examination of all the press photographs taken of the ceremony. Mm -hmm. Work out with a ballistics chap the likely area from which the shot came, then get Marion Matthews and John App Reese to help you identify every bard sitting in that area. Right? Okay, sir. And I'll see you in the morning. Ah, oh, good morning, Sergeant. Come and have a cup of coffee. We're the last time to breakfast this morning, I'm afraid. Oh, thank you very much, Mrs. Wright. Good morning, sir. Any luck, Sergeant? It's all right, you can talk. Well, sir, we spent a lot of time with magnifying glass last night. And while we can't identify everybody, we've got most of the names by now. See, hmm? what with the hoods they're wearing and the fact that some of them are in shadow, it's not really too easy. Hmm. But we are asking everybody we can identify who is sitting on either side of them. So we'll get the whole picture quite soon. Excellent. How much sleep have you had, Sergeant? Well, enough, I hope. Anyway, among the names we do know, sir, are a couple of very interesting ones. Gerwin Arvon and Will Pennard. Arvon? He's the leader of this way-out Welsh patriotic group mm -hmm. and the chap who would have the quarrel with Rogers. That's right, sir. He's the chap we were going to talk to today anyway, even before we knew about this. But Will Pennard, he's a very different kettle of fish. He's Mrs. Rogers' old boyfriend. Oh. They trained in art college in London together and mm -hmm. well, very soon afterwards they got engaged. I'm told they were within sight of getting married when Rodri Rogers arrived on the scene. Was Mr. Pennard very cut up? Yeah, so it seems. In fact, the talk is he never got over it. Well, I don't understand why he was there on the platform at all. Is this man a, a poet as well as an artist? Ah, you can become an honorary bard as an artist or a craftsman. I remember reading about Will Pennard now. Didn't he design the crown for this year's Estevard? Ah, in that case, he'd have had to know who had won to get the size right. I'm afraid not, sir. They just put an adjustable lining inside it. <laughs> I see. Have you seen the paper this morning, Sergeant? No. Look, who's this dear old gentleman in the... Well, it must be the first blue row. Oh, that's old Flower Stuyth. He's well into his 80s, but he never misses a nice tetherboard. For what he gets out of it, I can't imagine. He's as deaf as a post these days. <laughs> uh, what about this one next to him? Where? There. Oh, between him and Will Pennard. Oh, that's right. 
At the moment, we're not quite sure about that one. You see, some of the bars are wearing dark glasses because of the, the television lights. It doesn't oh, help. Yes. But we're checking. Well, time we started work. What's first, Sergeant? Well, if you agree, sir, why don't we call it Ruthed Farm to see Gerwin Arvon? Hello? Mr. Arvon? Who's in there? Heavily. This is Detective Superintendent Wright. You know me. Hi. Aye, I know the local Gestapo, all right. What's this? Reinforcements from England to keep up the pressure? There are a few questions I'd like to ask you, Mr. Arvon. We called at the farm, but there was no one in. Oh, there's a shame now. Still, I expect you saw the pigs in the kitchen and the goats eating the coal in the back. Mr. Arvon, I'm not an idiot, and I do have some questions to ask. Careful, sir. I think he's got a gun. Right-hand coat pocket. So if I were you, Mr. Arvon, I'd sort of walk around the problem and approach it from another angle. See what you mean, sir. Well, I don't. What the hell are you talking about, walking around? Well done, Sergeant. Keep him still now. Hmm. You were right. It is a gun. By the look of it, one that's recently been fired. A nine-millimeter Walther, sir. Clear down the job. Fingerprints? Well, we'll try, of course, sir, but I shouldn't think there's much chance now. Shall I cuff him, sir? Yes, then leave him with me. And while we're having a chat, I'm sure Mr. Ivan won't mind if you look around for the silencer that ought to go with that shooter. Oh, no, you don't. This is my property, and no snooper from the English Gestapo If you prefer to... it, we'll just sit and wait while the sergeant goes off to get a search warrant. All right? Get on with it. All right, sergeant. You know what to look for. Sir. Now, let's talk about Rodri Rogers, the late Rodri Rogers. You used to be friends, I believe. Well, you believe wrong. Oh, there was a time not so long ago when our political beliefs walked the same road. We started a freedom task force, but when the going got rough, Prodry Rogers went missing. He let you down? He let us all down. All? My information is that you now lead a movement which has exactly four members. That's a lie! I'll admit that when Hodri went, a few of us resigned as well. But we are still a powerful organization. Uh, yes? I found these in a box under a pile of sacks in the barn. Oh, let me see now. Oh, two more waltzes, just like the one you gave us, Mr. Arvon. Some hand grenades, ammunition, and... What's this? Careful! Leave that alone! It's gelignite! Oh, my God. I just cut it out a couple of hundred yards. This could carry you even further. Put it down very gently, Sergeant. Very gently. That's it. Now, ready for assistance, Sergeant. Then stay here while I take Mr. Arvin to the stage. No, you damned English <coughs> You're right, sir. One saw shin, otherwise okay. On your way, Arvin. Hey, what about my beasts? They'll be cared for now. Come along. Are you charging me with Hodri's murder? No need to yet. We've got plenty to charge you with already. Well, I didn't kill him. Wanted to, mind you, but that's as far as it went. Oh, yes? And I never used any of that ammunition. And tell you one thing, though. That gun, I found it. Yes? It's true, I tell you. Opened the barn door this morning, and there it was on the floor. Anyway, I recognized it as soon as I picked it up. Hodri's, the one issued to him by the movement. Should have returned it when he left, of course. He didn't. But I know it. There's, there's a little mark on the butt if you look close. I just brought out the other guns to check when you arrived. That's why it was an easy job for you to find So them. Rodri was shot by his own gun? Aye, aye, if that's the gun that did it. But why did someone put it in my bag? Are you saying you've been framed? Yes, I am. But not by a policeman. One of you lot had been up here, I'd have known. How? Oh, I've got friends. Now, look, can you get someone out to the farm before milking time? That'll all be looked after. Come on, get a move on there. Come in. Mrs. Wright? Yes? Oh, 
I'm sorry to bother you in your hotel room like this. Oh, I'm Angharad Rogers. Oh, Mrs. Rogers, I never quite know what to say at times like this. What can I do? Are you looking for my husband? Uh, Sergeant Williams, actually. He'll know what I'm talking about. Are they at the station? Well, no, they're out of town just now. Can I help? Well, it's, it's Will Pennard. I'm a bit worried. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. He made the crown for this year's Estevot, didn't he? Yes. Well, he came round to see me this morning. He's an old friend. I thought he'd come to say how sorry he was about Rodri, but he never mentioned him. He just sat there staring at me and hardly spoke a word. And, and then... Uh, oh, it is so difficult. Look, would it help if I said I knew he was fond of you? Oh, goodness, it hasn't taken you long to learn all about us. Yes, yes, it would help, because then he kissed me. After that, we talked a bit, quietly, and, and he asked me if I was working. So I showed him the head of Rodri I'd started, and, and you know, he started crying. God help me, he shouted, and, and they ran out of the house and into his car. When did this happen? Oh, about ten o'clock this morning. I, I was terribly worried about it, because he had a nervous breakdown about a year ago, and I thought he might be heading for another one. So I got the car out and went round to his digs. But his landlady said he wasn't there, and she didn't know when he'd be back. Do you think he's all right? Do you think he's all right, she said. And then she drove off. You only missed her by five minutes. I called in to see the Eisteddfwyd secretary. Mr Matthews has got hold of some film of the ceremony that he wants me to see. Well, what are you going to do about Will Pennard? Well, clearly we'll have to talk to the man as soon as possible. Which means that I've got to leave my lunch and ring the station. Honestly, do you wonder that all policemen are dyspeptic? Oh, no, nonsense. It's not the work, it's all the beer you drink while you're pretending to watch a suspect. <laughs> oh, by the way, I thought I'd go to the pictures this afternoon. And so you shall. What? I've arranged a special showing for bards and others at the police station at 2.30. Oh, John. And now I must go and lay on a general alert. Right, hold it now, Thompson. Lights up, please. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, quite please. Now, you've seen the bit of film once, and in a minute, we're going to show it to you again. Let me remind you that afterwards, we're going to be asking you to describe exactly where you were in that procession to the pavilion, and also where you were sitting at the back of the platform. Also, and this is most important, who was sitting to your left and to your right? And finally, did you notice anything unusual, strange, or out of the ordinary during the course of the afternoon? Everything quite clear? All right, Thompson, start it up. Well, Sergeant, what have we learned? Well, I think we managed to sort things out fairly well, sir. Now we know the identity of practically everybody who's in the shooting area. Now, let's see if I've got everything clear in my mind. And, uh, oh, you correct me, Mary, if I go wrong. Yes, all right. And the bards arrive at the church hall at or near 1.30. Yes. They show their admission cards or make themselves known to the mistress of the robes and the helpers. Mm. They put on their robes and are personally checked by the mistress of the robes to see that everything's in order. Yes, now, that was peculiar, John. Peculiar? In what way? Well, she said that she knew everybody who got onto the buses. And yet there were one or two faces in the film and on the photographs which she couldn't recognise at all. Oh, well, the film was pretty rough, Mrs. Rice. Yes, I know, but all the What's same... What's your impression, Sergeant? Well, everything points to Al. He was in the right position, he had the motive, and he had the gun. Hmm. Now, he may have had the gun, but did he have the knowledge? Did he know in advance that Rogers was going to win the crown? Well, if he or one of his pals was in the feathers that morning, he could easily have found out. Oh, no, I doubt it. 
If Arvon had blurted it out then, many others would have heard it, and the news would have spread like wildfire. Yes. Well, let's get back to the film show. Did any of the bards notice anything odd or unusual? Well, some of them said they recalled a strange smell, like fireworks, but they'd no idea which direction it came from. Mm, very helpful. Oh, come on now, I sympathise with them. With photographers' flashlights going off, an organ blaring out, 8,000 people cheering and clapping. No wonder a bit of burnt powder went unnoticed. Well, at least we've got the names of all the bards who are sitting in the target area. Oh, all except the one sitting between Will Pennard and... Who is missing? Yes, and also a stoy. Who wasn't at the film show? No, sir. Typical of him. He went to the wrong station. <laughs> <laughs> He's here now, though, sir. So perhaps I could bring him in. Yeah, yes, of course. Oh, we seem, uh, seem a bit short of chairs. Can you take the files off that one, Mary? Oh, Just yes, put them okay. on the floor. Thanks. Oh, good morning, sir. Morning. Very kind of you to uh, come along. Oh, uh, call me Thelmy, boy. That's uh, Welsh for lion, you know. <laughs> bit of a toothless lion, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Sit down here. Oh, thank you, my dear. Now, uh, you want to ask me some questions, is it? Mm -hmm. You ask and Thelmy will answer. Only talk a bit slow, will you? People today don't talk as clear as they did when I was a lad. Now, can you cast your mind back to... Uh, uh, what's that? Uh, can you cast your mind back to last... Tuesday's crowning ceremony. Oh, when young Rodri got shot. Yes, indeed. The most tragic occasion since a Gadairdi at Birkinhead. Or was it Bangor? So, uh, who sat next to you on the platform? Between you and Will Pennard. Oh, well, now then, uh, well, to tell you the truth, I, I have no idea. Was it a man or a woman? Well, it was... Uh, wait a minute. Come to think of it... I, no, I'm not sure. Oh, but you must know if it was a man or a woman. Uh, well, ah, I remember now. It was the, well, I'd better say the person who sat next to me on the bus. Now, this person came up to me just as we were getting on and said, Hello, how? but in a very husky voice. Said he'd caught a very bad summer cold, that he'd try not to give it to me. Well, I haven't had a cold in 50 years, as I was telling him during the journey. And this person didn't speak to you again? Uh, no, no, not that I recall, but... But then he must have. Only I don't quite... F you see, we're not encouraged to speak once we're on the platform. I've been in trouble with a herald bard once or twice about that, I can tell you. Can you summon up any picture of the person? Now, think hard. Well, tell you the truth, I never got a proper look. Uh, there were those dark glasses, you see, and his hood seemed to come down very low. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, there is one thing I do remember, though. And what was that? And he was very restless. There's not much room in those chairs, and once I got a real old biff in the side from his elbow. Detective Superintendent Wright? Yes? Where? Alone? I see. Well, please do nothing until we get there. Maintain observation and no more. Understood? Thank you. Claire, we may ask you some more questions later on. What's that? Uh, more questions later on. Oh, yes, the Sergeant pleasure. and I have got an urgent appointment. Right. It's Will Pennard, Mary. There's a report that he's been seen walking about on a beach about 20 miles from here. Well, come along, Sergeant. Yes, sir. What beach is this, sir? Something called Trith D. Trith D? What's the matter? Well, Trith D's war off his property, sir. So? Well, there's some very secret work going on there, sir. Nobody's allowed near. Why not? Well, it happens to be an experimental minefield. Captain Willoughby? Yes. Good morning, Superintendent. Uh, that's your man, I take it, walking along by the sea's edge. Sergeant? Yes, sir. That's Pennard. Is there any way of getting to him, Captain? 
Well, I'm quite sure there is. Unfortunately, I haven't got the maps of this minefield. Someone back at HQ is trying to dig them out right now. And until we're quite sure where the safe path is, I really wouldn't advise you to go any nearer than we are now. Can't we follow in his footsteps? Well, I wouldn't recommend it. In any case, they don't seem to exist. You know, this leads me to think that your chap's been out there all day, sitting on that big rock, I shouldn't wonder, while the tide came in and out. What's the situation? Well, as far as I can gather, the bit of sand by the waterline is clear, but the stretch between him and us could be solid with mines, mm. and very powerful ones at that. Don't risk it. I'll give him a call. Pennard! Pennard! Shall I try, sir? Hey, Will! Will! This is the police! You're working on a minefield, man! Mr. Pennard! You are in great danger! Do not, do not walk about any more, but climb onto that big rock near you. As soon as we know where the path through the minefield is, we'll... No! No, don't come any nearer. Keep still, man. Who are you? Detective Superintendent Wright. Why are you looking for me? I want to talk to you about last Tuesday. About Rodney, you mean? If you like. He was a great poet, but he was an evil man. Now he's dead. Don't you think he deserves to die, Superintendent? Sergeant, see if you can hurry them up with that map. I'll keep him talking. Mr. Pennard, you called to see Mrs. Rogers yesterday. I'm afraid she's worried about you. Worried? Nobody must worry and Harrod. She must be left alone. Do you hear me? I can't leave anyone alone until I know the truth. Very well, Mr. Policeman. I have something to tell you. I killed Rodney Rogers. I did it. And now I'm coming to give myself up. Are you ready to receive me? Keep still, you fool. Stay where you are. Don't move back. Are you ready to receive me, oh Lord? Are you ready? Oh, my God. I'm going to take a look. No, no. Stay where we are. We're staying here. But the man's wounded. He needs help. Look again. He's beyond any help we can give him. What happened? Did he... Oh, my God. The map, sir. I suppose you'll need it now. Who's there? Sergeant Williams, Mrs. Rogers. Can I come in? Still working on the bust, then? Yes, though it hasn't gone so well today. I suppose my worries are catching up on me. Yes, you'll have a lot of things to see to just now, won't you? Solicitors and undertakers, telling the relatives and so on. Well, if I had any close relatives, I think they'd have heard about Rodri by now, wouldn't you? But since I'm an orphan and an only child, the matter doesn't arise. As for the solicitors, what's the point? Rodri had no money, and if he had, I might have had to share it with his girlfriend. How do you feel about these other ladies? Do you shock easily, Sergeant? I don't think so. Well, then I'll tell you how I felt. I felt amused. Yes, amused. Because Roger was anything but the great lover you'd imagine from the way he wrote and the way he acted. The build-up was terrific, but the performance was O-level. That's why I didn't bother myself too much about these little old... Oh, let's change the subject. You've been here before, haven't you, Sergeant? Oh, yes, of course, yesterday. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, a couple of years ago. Oh, yes. 
Yes, another officer and I did call him once or twice to ask Mr. Rogers some questions. About Gerwin Arvon and the movement? That's right. It was late at night and I was in bed when you last called, but I peeped out of the window and saw you leaving. What did you tell him that night? We didn't tell him anything. We only asked him some questions. Well, whatever it was, you really frightened him. He came back upstairs swearing and grumbling, and then I'm afraid I started on him, asking if he wanted to be deported. I don't think he or I slept a wink that night. The next thing I knew, he'd had a fearful row with Gerwin Arvon and resigned from the movement. We were told he left the movement because of you, Mrs. Rogers. How did you feel about Gerwin Arvon? I hated him. I tell you, if someone had shot Gerwin Arvon instead of Rodri, I'd have been on your list of suspects. When he had quite a few supporters, Gerwin was very high and mighty indeed. I used to call him Mein Führer when he came round to the house and he used to practically leap up and down in rage. Mrs. Rogers, I've been a long time coming to it, but I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. Is it Will? Will Pennard? I'm afraid so. A few hours ago, we traced him to Trith D, the war office property beach where the minefield is. He was born near there. Oh, yes. Well, perhaps that's how he got through the minefield and down to the shore. Only coming back, well, he wasn't so lucky. Dead. In a flash, if you'll excuse the expression. I'm very sorry. He was very fond of me, you know. No, that's not honest. He loved me. I only wish I could have loved him back. It would have made things so much simpler. I used to feel so sorry for him, but... What right had I to feel sorry for the man because he was good and gentle? You were engaged at one time, weren't you? Yes, when we were students. But it was never really on. There was no clash, no spark. Oh, poor Will. I am so sorry. Mrs. Rogers, before he died, Mr. Pennard said rather a strange thing. Yes? Well, he shouted to Superintendent Wright, who was on the other side of the minefield, that he had killed your husband and was coming to give himself up. Did he say anything else? That you were to be left alone. Mrs. Rogers, do you think Will Pennard could have killed your husband? How can I answer that? Rodri dead, now Will. Perhaps there's a pattern to it, I don't know. Well, there were some indications during the superintendent's talk that Mr. Panna might have been mentally disturbed or have received a severe emotional shock. Can you give any help on that? Only what I told Mrs. Wright, that he had had a nervous breakdown last year. Though he did look very startled when I met him last Friday in town. Oh, what happened? Well, I was just passing his digs as he came out, so I called out and offered him a lift. We'd only heard the news about Rodri winning the crown the previous day, and I'm afraid I couldn't help dropping a little hint, because, after all, he had made the crown. What was that? Oh, that's Jones, Bren Farm. When he's been into town, he buys me a paper so that I'll know what's going on. Oh, I'll get it for you, Mrs. Rogers. Thank you. I expect you read it this morning. In fact, I haven't. Hmm. According to this, we're in for a bit of a treat next Sunday. Let me see. Exclusive revelation. I was Rogers' mistress. By actress Glenys Lane. 
Uh, Mrs. Rogers, I think I ought to be getting back now. But before I go, can you tell me something about this Glenis Lane? Nothing, Sergeant. I can tell you nothing. Detective Superintendent Wright? Oh, Marion Matthews here, Inspector. Ah, Mr. Matthews. How are things going at the establishment? Well, breaking all records, I'm happy to say. Though I suppose it's more due to Rodri Rogers than to the Bards of Wales. <laughs> <laughs> but it was to do with Rodri that I'm ringing you. Yes. You've seen the piece in the paper about Glenys Lane. Yes, I understand that the lady's appearing in repertory at the uh, Civic Theatre number D. That's right. And as soon as Sergeant Williams gets back, we'll be off to have a word with her. I taught drama to that young madam at school, you know. Her and Angharad. Oh, yes. But it was only when I saw a picture that I realised who she was. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was the girl I saw standing by the side of the platform backstage, just before Rodri was killed. Well, why on earth didn't you tell me about a girl before? Well, honest to God, it has slipped my memory entirely into today. Well, I ju just popped onto the stage to push one of the microphone cables out of the way. Our present Ashtori tends to fall over things, you understand. Mm -hmm. And I was coming off and saw this girl in the wings. Well, she was wearing a sort of bra thing. Uh, then a lot of bare skin and then her skirt splits as high as it would go. Well, I meant to ask her what she was up to, but there wasn't time. You didn't recognize her then, but you know her now, is that it? Uh, yes, well, some stuff, doesn't it? But it's true all the same. And I still wouldn't know it was Glennis if it hadn't been for that piece in the paper. Glennis Lane, an actress. I bet that's costing her dad a packet. No talent. <laughs> talent? You must be joking. When she left school, I wrote on a report, the school plays will never be the same again. And I meant it. They're quite good now. <laughs> This is her dressing room. If you'll just wait here, gentlemen, she's taking the final curtain now. Oh, sounds like a very good house to me, sir. Judged by the applause. Yeah, the publicity's probably helped. Mary tried to get in, but every seat had gone. Well, if Marion Matthews is right, it can't be the acting. <laughs> oh, darling, you are marvellous. Oh, wonderful. There are two gentlemen to see you. Oh, you want to see me? Are you the press? I'm afraid not. We're police officers. This is Detective Superintendent Wright, and I'm Detective Sergeant Williams. How nice. Come in. Oh, thank you. Can I take my slap off while we talk? Oh, it's all right, Sergeant. I won't take anything else off, I promise. Uh, Miss Lane, I would like to ask you some questions. I'll get straight to the point. You claim to have been Rodri Rogers' mistress. Yes. You've seen the publicity about my article, I suppose. Well, I met Rodri about six months ago at a party. Where else would one meet Rodri? And he came to stay at my little flat the following weekend. Well, after that, it was on and off, as you might say, for quite a while. Oh, but lately he'd been getting a bit boring. Boring? Intense, serious, the distant chime of wedding bells and all that. And that didn't interest you? <laughs> well, darling, he's married. Oh, correction, was married. And I'm not the marrying type. Had you told Mr. Rogers of your feelings, Miss Lane? Not exactly. I was going to. And then I got a little hint that Rodri was going to win the crown. So then I thought that being engaged to him for a month or so, just till the publicity wore off, wouldn't hurt my career one little bit. How did you hear that Mr. Rogers was going to win the crown, Miss Lane? Oh, it was the night before the shooting. I was called to the stage door phone, and this chap said that Rodri was going to win, and that I mustn't miss it. Who was this chap? Oh, well, I hope I'm not getting him into trouble. It was Gerwin Aravon. He explained that Rodri couldn't ring me because of the promise he'd made. A vow of secrecy or something. But Gerwin had got to know, so he was doing me a good turn. I see. And you went to the Asethel? Yes. Where were you sitting? Oh, a long way back. All the best seats were sold. I don't think you're telling the truth, Miss Lane. 
We have a witness who says that you were standing in the wings backstage at the Osterville just before Mr. Rogers was shot. Well, your witness was lying, not me. I was hundreds of yards away. It's not true, I tell you. He knows you, Miss Lane. A Mr. Marion Matthews. Oh, all right. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to get Hughes into trouble. David Hughes? He was the BBC commentator. I see. I met him on the field. I hadn't a ticket, so he smuggled at the back of the stage. Then took me up to the commentary position until the ceremony started. I had to get out then, of course. So I went down into the wings, and that's all I know. Why the wings, Miss Lane? No, don't tell me. You were going to rush onto the stage and be photographed kissing the crown bar. Oh, how did you guess? I think the superintendent finds you predictable, Miss Lane. Uh, one thing more, Miss Lane. Are you quite sure it was Gerwin Arvon who rang you up? Well... That's who he said he was. And he reminded me that I'd met him at the same party where Rodri and I were first introduced. Did you recognise his voice? Not really. I'd only met him once, you see. And he was speaking very quietly, whispering almost. Oh, I remember now. He said he'd a bad cold. Funny time to have a cold. August. You think she was telling the truth, sir? Well, sometimes. No, rather more often than that. You've got to be clever to lie convincingly, as you know, Sergeant. And now Miss Lane's no genius. <laughs> what amazes me is that Roderick Rogers preferred her to his wife. Well, come now, we've got no evidence of that. Well, she did say he was getting serious about her, talking of marriage and so on. Mm. I wonder how much of that was wishful thinking. Oh, on your left now, sir, and up the drive there. Oh, your chief constable lives in some style. Oh, yes, sir. Well, not that I'm what you'd call a regular visitor. Come in, come in. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Ah, come along inside. Through here, into the study. A nice little place you have here, sir. <laughs> uh, make yourselves comfortable. Thank you. uh, sit down, sit down. Now then, uh, put me in the picture about this, uh, this damn murder. Scotch for you, John? Uh, neat, please, yes. Uh, Sergeant? Oh, the same, please, sir. And one for me... Makes three. Here we are. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. You're very good health. Now, yeah. ah, then, tell me, uh, are you getting anywhere? Uh, well, yes, sir. I think we now know a great deal more than we did last Tuesday. Good, good. With the help of your officers and the forensic people, we've established that Rogers was shot with a 9 millimeter Walther armed with a silencer. Mm -hmm. That this gun was actually his own property, and that the gun was later found in the possession of Gerwin Arthur. Who is now on remand. Oh, another charge, yes, sir. Now, would you say he had a motive for murder? Well, certainly. Ah, yes, but uh, would he have the guts, Williams? I'm not sure, sir. No, no, neither am I. I've been keeping an eye on Arvon now for a year or two, and I've always thought him more of a, well, a play actor than a revolutionary. I see. All the same, there's a lot of evidence against him, plus an armory of illegal weapons. I wouldn't rate him as harmless by any means. No, sir, and I plan to have another talk with him tomorrow. Meanwhile, I think you know that we had one confession to this murder already. Will Pennard. Yes, tell me, what did you make of it? Was, was the chap round the bend? Well, hard to say, sir. He was, I suppose, overwrought would be the right word. Mm. On the other hand, I'm sure he knew what he was saying. Yes, but look, no one in his right mind would walk into a minefield. Oh, that was the most deliberate suicide I've ever seen. And the most horrifying. Mm. Now, look, is there any evidence apart from his confession that ties Pennard in with the murder? No, I think so. Now, for one thing, he was in exactly the right place to have fired the shot. 
And for another, we now know that when he was a student in London, Pinard belonged to a pistol club and was reckoned to be a crack shot. Indeed. And Rogers was killed by one bullet precisely aimed to hit the heart. There's also the evidence from his lodging, sir, mm. in the form of some photographs and poems and unposted letters, that he was still very much in love with Mrs. Rogers. Uh, but she... Was she in love with him? Any chance of a collusion? Well, well it's, it's possible, but um, but my impression is that she worried over him as one friend would over another who was in trouble, that's all. Yeah, but they were engaged. She jilted him for Rogers. Exactly. She'd moved on, and he'd stood still. The odd thing was, sir, that when I went to tell her that Pennard was dead, she took the news very well. Mm. Almost relaxed about it, she was. Well, perhaps that ties in with Mary's opinion. She's convinced that this was a very one-way love affair. Well, Mary probably understands a great deal more about these matters than you and I do. Now then, how about uh, Glennie Slane? Now oh, you know about her, sir. I'll read the newspapers. Well, she was backstage when the murder took place, but in entirely the wrong angle to have fired the shot. I should also add that if she was dressed in the way Marion Matthews described, she couldn't possibly have hidden the gun on her person. No. Good morning, darling. Morning. Your coffee's cold. You would better pour yourself a fresh cup. Yes, okay. The chief kept you late last night. Well, he wanted to know everything. And when I say everything, John, I mean everything. <laughs> but actually, it was useful. Making a verbative. Mm. What's that official-looking document you got there? Oh, it's a report. Uh, one of Sergeant Williams' lads called in with it just now. Looks very detailed. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, all the same, I had time to read the whole of it while I waited for you to come down for breakfast. Yes, yes, all right, sorry, last again. Can I ask what it's all about? Well, the uh, first half is about the robing procedure at the Astethbeth, which is not as casual as I was told. Huh? It seems that every bard who intends to take part in the ceremony posts a card giving his height and saying the approximate length of the gown he wants. Really? And then on arrival, he finds an appropriate robe waiting and he pays a hiring charge of 50 pence. So there's a register? Absolutely. A watertight record of those attending. Well, what's the other half about? It's a complete check on the condition of every robe handed in after the ceremony, with special attention to holes or tears in the material. And no doubt a hearty sniff for any lingering smell of cordite. That's too. And the result? Nothing. Well, you don't seem too depressed about it. I'm not, because that nothing tells me something. What's the programme for this morning? A chat with Gerwin Arvon. But first, another cup of coffee. Come in. Here he is, sir. Oh, thank you, Constable. Oh, see if Sergeant Williams is about, will you? Sir. Sit down, Arvon. I'll stand. Please yourself. Smoke? Aye. No, no, you keep them. Now, look, there's nothing I can do about the firearms charges. You realise that? I'm asking for no favours from the English Gestapo. That's all right. I'm not giving any. Let's talk about Rodri Rogers. Him? Yes, the late him. Come in. Oh, Sergeant. Morning, sir. I've just been on the phone to Rutherford Farm. I thought you'd like to know everything's OK down there. Mm -hmm. uh, your brother-in-law's arrived now, and he'll stay till things get sorted out. Thanks. I take it you've been reading the papers while you've been on remand? I'll have time enough, haven't I? Then you know that Will Pennard is dead. Aye, poor sod. Will Pennard was under suspicion of having murdered Rodri Rogers. You may be interested to know that he confessed to the murder just before the unfortunate accident. <laughs> well, that's a good one. 
And you believed that? I didn't say so. And you didn't say not? Good God, how stupid can you get? Less of that now, Arlene. All right, all right, nothing to me. If you want to make fools of yourselves, go ahead. I'm warning you, Arvon. And I'm warning you. Put the blame on Will and you'll be the laughing stock of Wales. And if your sergeant knew his job half as well as he pretends to, Superintendent, you wouldn't have wasted your time chasing after the wheel Pennard. And the poor devil might still be alive. Tell me. Well, six months ago, Will had a little accident. It made quite a good story in the local papers at the time. How he was finishing off the crown under difficulties. Remember, Sergeant? Oh, my God. That's right. Will Pennard lost the two top joints of his right forefinger. Try firing a gun like that sometime, Superintendent, and see how near you get to the target. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. It's quite true. I remember it all now. Of course, when we recover what was left of the body, the evidence no longer existed. Still, that's no excuse. Well, Alvin, thank you very much. You've done us a favour. Now do yourself a favour. What do you mean? Answer my questions, that's all. See if you can't put yourself in the clear as well as Will Pennard. What do you want to know? Were you rung up and told that Rodri Rogers was going to win the crown? Aye, on, on Monday night. Who rang you? Oh, that, that stupid bitch of an actress Rodri was knocking off. Glenis something or other. Glenis Lane? Aye. How do you know it was her? Eh? Well, I don't know. That's who she said it was. She reminded me of some party we'd both been to. Then she said she'd quarrelled with Rodri and that she was going along to the Eisteddfa to watch him win the crown. And that she was going to hold a press conference afterwards to tell the reporters what a bastard he was. Why didn't I come along as well? It seemed like a good idea, so I said okay. I'd planned to go anyway, so it made no odds. Because you'd planned to go with a gun in your pocket. Look, if I'd wanted to kill Rodri, I'd have done it somewhere else, not at the Eisteddfod. Why not? Oh, you wouldn't understand. Now, it's possible that Glenys Lane was not the person who rang you up. Think hard. Was there anything odd or unusual about the conversation? Well, it was a bloody bad line, but that's not unusual. As a matter of fact, I had a job to hear what she was saying half the time. Anything else? Well, only that she was in a hell of a hurry to finish the conversation. Soon as I'd got the message, she rang off, said she'd had to get back on stage. Just one more thing. Are you sure it was a woman? Eh? Or could it have been a man with a high voice speaking in falsetto? Well, I... Well, I suppose it could have been. I'll tell you one thing. While we've been talking, I've got a feeling that I know that voice. There was something familiar about it, I swear. Coffee, John. Well, ju ju just a minute. The news is coming up now. An inquest was held yesterday on the body of Frodery Rogers, the Welsh-American poet shot dead earlier this week as he was about to be awarded the crown at this year's nationalised dead mark. After hearing evidence of identification, the coroner, Mr. Alfred Oxwich, adjourned the inquest. It's understood that police inquiries are proceeding and that an arrest can shortly be expected. Only two choirs are competing in the chief court. Here's your coffee, John. Oh, thanks. Well, our holiday is nearly over. It hasn't exactly worked out according to plan, I'm afraid. <laughs> our holidays never do. Never mind, perhaps we can take next week off instead of this one. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm, very nice. But what makes you think the case will be over by then? Well, according to the BBC, an arrest can shortly be expected. <laughs> Which reminds me, I must go. There's a pile of work waiting for me at the station. Uh, what will you do with yourself this morning? Oh, I think I'll go visiting. Oh, can you leave me the car, John?
Mrs. Rogers. Oh, Mrs. Rogers, hello. Can I come in? Mrs. Wright, uh, I hope you haven't been knocking long. No, 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 I've just come. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't ask you in, but I am in a terrible mess. Oh, it's all right. I've just called to return your gloves. You left them at the hotel when you called to see me. Oh, you shouldn't have bothered. But thank you very much. Look, can I be of some help? Those packing cases look very heavy. No, no, I can manage, thank you. You're going away? If I can be of any help, I... Uh, yes, uh, I'm moving. Well, there's nothing really to keep me here any longer with Rodri gone and Will. Not to mention the fact that the rent is three months overdue and the furniture goes with the cottage. Oh, yes, and the HP men took the car back this morning. Well, where will you go? Oh, back to London. I've still got some friends there, so I won't be short of a roof over my head while I'm looking around for a job. <sighs> that won't be easy. Oh, I'll get by. There's usually a vacancy for a supply art teacher in one of the tougher comprehensives, you know. If I can keep that up for six months or so, I should be able to manage. Six months? Look, I, I don't want to pry, but do you mean there's a baby on the way? Uh, uh, yes, since you ask, I am having a baby. Though it's a long way off yet. The doctor only confirmed it last month. I see. It's because of the baby I'm moving on, really. You see, I've got to make enough money to support him, which means I've got to go where the money is. And besides, I want him to grow up not knowing anything about his father. What, do you mean you'll change your name? You won't let him know that his father was a great poet? A great poet, it seems, with a mistress up every back alley and a load of bat deads left behind him wherever he went. A great poet who got himself murdered. Well, Mrs. Rogers, really, he couldn't help that. Couldn't he? How do you know? How does anyone know what he'd been up to to make someone hate him that much? Well, you were his wife. Do you know anyone who would hate him so much? Me? No, I don't. But then Rodri had nine lives, and he only spent one of them with me. Why do you say he had nine lives? Oh, he had the luck of the devil. The political group he was with in the States all ended up in jail. He came over to Wales just in time to dodge the draft and soldiering in Vietnam. The only time he tried the football pools, he won a few pounds. Not that I ever saw any of the winnings. And what about last Tuesday? That's when his luck ran out. Well, uh, I, I really must let you get on with your packing. You're... Oh, you're not leaving today, are you? Uh, no, no, I'm just starting to get things together. Uh, Mrs. Wright, thank you very much for coming to see me. I do appreciate oh, that's it. that's perfectly all right. Oh, would you mind if I gave you a sort of a going-away present? Oh, good Lord, there's absolutely I mean, no honestly, need for anything I'd like, like to. Uh, just a minute. There. But, Mrs. Rogers, I, I can't take this. It's the bust of Rodri you've just finished. I mean, this must mean an awful lot to you. Oh, please, I want you to have it. But when this goes, it means I can break with the past altogether. Oh, but honestly, you'd be doing me a favor. Well, all right, but it seems a terrible thing to do. Well, goodbye then, and, and good luck. And Oh, by the way, have you told the police you're moving? Hmm? Oh, yes, yes, I dropped them a note with my new address. Good. Uh, give my best wishes to your husband. Yes, And, of and don't forget... Hello, I'm Harriet. Oh, who on earth? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt anything. What do you want? And who gave you the right to call me by my Christian name? Well, aren't you going to introduce me? How do you do? My name is Glenys Lane. Oh, I'm Mary Wright. I asked you a question. What do you want? Uh, oh, well, I was wondering if you'd let that dear little man hiding in my car take some photographs of me against the background of Rodri's cottage. Newspapers, you know. Photographs? Haven't you done enough harm? Get back into that car and get out of my sight, you shameless bitch. Good Lord, Uncle Harrod, there's no need to talk to me like this. You knew very well what was going on between Rodri and me. And you said you couldn't care less. 
so what do a few photographs matter now that Rodri's dead? Because you killed Rodri, that's why. You man! You were the cause! Slut! Look, I, I really must be going. Goodbye, Mrs. Rogers. Goodbye, Miss Lane. You're quite sure she said that? You killed Rodri. You were the cause. Those were her words. And the way she said it. Sir, when I asked her if she could tell me something about Glenys Lane, she said nothing. Yet Glenys Lane called her Ang Harrod, you say? Oh, yes, but Mrs. Rogers didn't like it. Well, they tell me actresses do use Christian names a lot, sir. Uh, thank you, Sergeant. I wonder whether the lady got her photographs taken. I doubt it. When Mrs. Rogers' mouth starts tightening and her eyes start flashing, she's a very different person. Though you can hardly blame her for losing her temper with our Miss Lane. You know, that woman must have a colossal nerve. Yes, well, you've given us a great deal to think about, Mary. Thank you very much. I'll say no more. I can recognise an exit line when I hear one. I'll be back at the hotel, John, and dinner's at 7.30. No, I'll try to be there, and thanks again. So, they knew each other. Now, how does that alter the situation? Well, maybe not at all, sir. Glenys Lane said she met Rodri and Gerwin Arvon at a party. Mm. Well, perhaps Mrs. Rogers was there as well. And don't forget that since she told me she had nothing to say about Glenys Lane, she's had a chance to read all that stuff in the papers. Mm. That could have reminded her who the lady was. Now, that's all perfectly true, but there may be more to it. Anyway, this can all be cleared up by another chat with Glenys Lane. Would you mind, Sergeant? Oh, pleasure, sir. Oh, and don't let her tell you any lies. Only about her age, sir. Uh, one more thing before you go. How many trains for London stop at the station here this evening? Oh, just the one, sir, the 742. And how many taxi firms are there in town? Two. No, three. Right, leave me their phone numbers, will you? And then off you go. Right, sir. Dragon Hotel? Oh, Mrs. Wright, please. Room four. Hold on, please. Thank you very much. Hello? Oh, Mary, I'm, I'm sorry, but something's cropped up. I've no chance of getting away in time for dinner. Oh, dear. I've read every paper back in the hotel. Oh, well. Oh, shall I get some sandwiches prepared for you? Yes, please, whatever they can manage. Well, John? Yes? Is this um, something big? Well, it, uh, it could be. Like the end of the case? Possibly. What was that? Expecting? Oh, yes, I forgot to tell you. I really don't know how I had the cheek to do it, but I asked Mrs. Rogers if she was pregnant. She was a bit startled at first, and then she said, yes, she was. Uh, darling, I'll uh, have to ring off now, but I'll see you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Mr. Jones, I was getting quite anxious about my train. Oh, it's you, Superintendent. Get in, Mrs. Rogers. No, really, thank you very much, Superintendent, but I'm waiting for a taxi. Why don't you get in, Mrs. Rogers? I'll see that you get to the station. Oh, all right. Thank you. But this is the wrong direction. Where are you taking me? I thought we should have a talk. We've got a great deal to discuss, and I'd rather do it here than at the station. But I'll miss my train. This afternoon, you told my wife you weren't leaving until tomorrow. Yes, I know. I changed my mind. You also told her that you'd written to the police to tell us you were changing your address. We haven't heard from you, Mrs. Rogers. 
Well, I had meant to, but it's all been such a rush. Yes, yes, I understand. We'll pull off the road here for a while. But by train... I'm afraid this is rather important. Superintendent, are you going to tell me you've caught Roger's murderer? I think so. Well, I suppose I should feel glad. I don't feel anything. Somehow my senses have been numb for so long, I'm beginning to wonder if I'll ever unfreeze. Yet it would be nice to suffer the pins and needles feeling, the real feeling, again. Who is he? I haven't arrested anyone yet. First, I must talk to you. Then I hope you'll give me your opinion. And that will help? Oh, yes. Mrs. Rogers, when your husband was murdered, some things were self-evident. For example, it was clear that the murderer knew in advance that Mr. Rogers had won the crown. Well, either knew or was 90% certain. He was also quite familiar with the crowning ceremony at the Acedval. And he was also a bar. Oh, no, that's by no means a certain. But... Your husband was shot by a person dressed in the blue robe of a bard. But the murderer would have had to have cut a hole in the robe for the nozzle of the gun. Or it would have blown a hole in it by the bullet as it passed through. But perhaps the gun wasn't under a robe. It had to be. Otherwise, it would have been noticeable. Now, all the robes were returned after the ceremony and were checked by the police. No holes, no slits, and no trace of burning or powder. What do you think that means, Mrs. Rogers? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm quite bewildered. Come now, Mrs. Rogers, you've got a good mind. Surely you can see that this can only mean one thing. That the murderer dressed up as a bard, joined the procession at some point, committed the crime, and then left the procession again, still wearing the phony robe. But that would have been impossible. Difficult, I grant you, but not impossible. Well, now, if all the bardic robes are in the clear, what happens to our two prime suspects, Gerwin Arfon and Will Pennard? You can be sure that their robes were gone over with a magnifying glass, and there was no trace of anything suspicious. But what about the gun you found at Gerwin's farm? That only proves that the murderer wished to cast suspicion on others. Well, surely that doesn't apply to Will Pennard. No, but it makes it all the more strange that those who knew that Will couldn't possibly have done the shooting didn't come forward. What do you mean? Mrs. Rogers, you knew that Will had lost a forefinger on his right hand recently and would have been physically unable to pull the trigger. Yes, I did. Then why didn't you say so? Oh, because I wanted an end to it. Will was dead and the blame for Roger's death couldn't harm him. I wanted it all over and done with. And you'd have let your husband's real murderer go scot-free? I've told you already, Superintendent, I am a bit short on emotions nowadays. Two other things you didn't tell me, Mrs. Rogers, and I'm wondering why. For instance, you didn't mention that when you were in London, you belonged to the same pistol club as Will Pennard. He introduced you there, I believe. Also that you were quite a star pupil. A natural, that's what the instructor calls you. Oh, that was years ago. Yes, it was. Still, they tell me it's rather like riding a bicycle. Once you've learned how, you never forget. Oh, and talking of forgetting, had you forgotten Glenys Lane when you told my sergeant the name meant nothing to you? You've got it wrong. He asked me what I could tell him about Glenys, and I answered nothing, and that was the truth. In fact, we were at school together. But for years, I've had this thing about Roger's women. I, I hated them so much that I tried to put them out of my mind altogether, as if they didn't exist. Look, can we drive on? If you like. Which way? Well, let's take the cliff road. The moon should be up soon, and I'd like to look at it across the sea. Right. Marion Matthews told me that you and Miss Lane used to appear in his school plays. Oh, those plays. They were terrible, and so was I. 
The only reason I was in them was because we could never get the boys to take part. <laughs> and you used to take the male role. Well, I was pretty tall, and I can put on a deep voice when I have to. Just as you did when you rang Glenys Lane last Monday night? No, you don't! Don't you! Get your hands off that steering wheel! <laughs> You're a dangerous woman, Mrs. Rogers. If that tree hadn't been in the way, you'd have had us over the cliff. Oh, God. Nothing's gone right. Detective Superintendent Wright in Bravo 6. Do you read me, HQ? Over. Bravo 6, do you read me, HQ? Over. Loud and clear, sir. Over. Is Sergeant Williams in the building? Over. Right here, sir. Stand by. Williams here, sir. Over. Oh, um... Sergeant, I'm on the cliff road between Land D and Abergoch, or rather, I'm off the road and on the cliff. I've had a little trouble, but I think it's over now. Can you get a car out here for me and my passenger? And I think we'll need a breakdown truck, too. Over. Will do, sir. Right away, sir. Out. Will they be long? What's the hurry? Goodness knows. I think now I just want to sort it all out and finish it. I'm so tired. Tell me. I suppose it was the baby, really, that made me decide to kill Rodri. A woman in love can be a terrible fool. She can have her eyes open to all the cheating, all the lying and the stealing. And yet she'll go on loving the man who cheats her and lies to her steals from her. But Rodri loved only Rodri. He married me because I was an artist, because I was Welsh, because I worshipped him, and because I had a bit of money. Well, my sculpture didn't go so well after my marriage, and within two years, Rodri's Welsh was better than mine. He really was brilliant, you know. Physically, he got tired of me very rapidly. I pretended to others he was inadequate, but the truth was that in, in bed with me, he simply wasn't interested. Well, finally, my money started to run out. And, of course, Rodri could see no possible reason for staying tied to a, an uninteresting, poverty-stricken wife. No, but surely the baby would have... Rodri never knew about the baby. In fact, he probably had no recollection of having slept with me and started the baby. He was pretty drunk that night. But beggars can't be choosers, Superintendent. You cold? There's a rug in the back. No, no. I'd planned to tell him about the baby the day the letter arrived from Marion Matthews. He was beside himself with excitement. The crown and a prize of 200 pounds. I started to say something about the money coming in useful and... and he suddenly turned on me in a savage, evil way I'd never seen before. Oh, it was horrible. What did he say to you? Sam, what did he say? Mm. 
he said I was ugly and useless. Then he was tired of dragging me around. He said he was getting out for good. He was going to live with a beautiful, gay, attractive woman. A rich, attractive woman with whom he could live a full life. Do you know what he said next? Go on. He said he was giving me a week's notice. I knew what that meant. He didn't want a scandal until he'd won the crown. After that, it wouldn't matter, I suppose. Did you reply to any of this? No. I, I was too shaken up, you see, I, wanting to tell him about his baby and, and instead were being dismissed, I suppose. Anyway, he went straight out of the house and I didn't see him again for two days. And that's when you planned the murder? Yes. My mind was full of the crowning ceremony, of course, and this reminded me... I, I'd often thought how difficult it was to recognise even an old friend when he was in his bardic robes. I went into town shopping. I met a woman who told me she'd just been clearing out the church hall ready for the bards to use it as a robing room. But as it happened, I parked my car just across the road from the hall... Suddenly it all seemed to click. You bought three yards of material in Paris House. You checked, I suppose. You took it home and ran it up into a robe and hood. That's right. I cut slits down the side so I could get my hands under the robe and left a little hole in the front. I, I knew where Rodri had hidden his gun and the silencer, so that was easy. And the telephone calls? They were all made from the kiosk down the road, of course. Yes, I thought you might trace them... But it was necessary to give you a few suspects. Gilwyn Alphon and Glenys Lane won't thank you for that. Well, I have nothing to thank them for, have I? Anyway, Gilwyn will be rather pleased to go to jail for the movement. I can just hear him saying it now. And Glenys Lane has got what she wanted. Her face in the papers. And what have you got out of it? A dead man on your conscience and a baby who'll be born in prison. Oh, don't. Please, please don't. Very well. On the day of the crowning, you drove Rodri to the hotel opposite the church hall. You engineered the row with him. And then, what did you do? Exactly what I told you. Except that after I'd, I'd walked down by the river and seen if there was anyone around, I went back to the car. Then I changed into trousers and a pair of Rodri's shoes with two pairs of socks in them. Put on my homemade robe, my sunglasses and my deaf aid. Deaf aid? Nobody said anything about a death aid. Oh, then I needn't have bothered with it. What a pity. Actually, it was in case someone spoke to me on the bus or at the Eisteddfod. But when people saw I was with Llewastwyth, they left me alone, just as I hoped they would. <laughs> Is he so bad? Well, he's always been a bore, and as he's got older, he's got worse. Anyway, as he came out of the church hall looking for someone to attach himself to, I, I slipped out of the car and stood near him. He did the rest for me. I told him I had a sore throat, and after that he didn't stop talking till the ceremony began. And then things began to go wrong. Yes, when they were putting us into our seats at the back of the stage, I, I, I had to hang back a bit so as to be in the middle of a row. I, I stopped to blow my nose furiously until some of the bards had shuffled past me, and so Astuith and I were in the right spot. You'd hung on to him? Oh, yes, I had hold of his sleeve. But because of the change of position, you found yourself sitting next to Will Pennard. Yes, I simply didn't know what to do. You could, of course, have given up your plan. Do you know that never occurred to me? 
All I was concerned about was keeping him from recognizing me. I, I half turned away from him. I pretended to be absorbed in my program right through that long adjudication. At last it was over, and they went off to bring Roger to the stage. I put my program on the floor, thrust my left hand under my robe. The right hand had been there all the time holding the gun and rested my right hand on my left forearm to get a steady shot. As he appeared on the stage, I just shot him. And no one took any notice? Not with 8,000 people applauding and all eyes on the poet. One or two of the bards immediately in front of me half turned when they heard the plop of the silencer, but by then, Rodri had stumbled and their attention was distracted. And afterwards? Oh, that was the worst part, waiting for the Archdruid to close the ceremony and send us back to Changer. I talked as hard as I could to Theowastuith, who was much too excited to listen, but... I could feel Will Pennard looking at me. He never said a word, though, till we got on the bus again. Then he sat in the seat in front of us and turned round so that he could look me in the face. I held my head down as much as I could, but as we left the bus, he said... Hang Harad. Hang Harad, what have you done? Then he walked away. I went through the rest of the plan quite automatically. I changed, went back to the river, walked into town again, was told the news, drove out past Gerwin's farm and dropped the gun there. It was all as if I was in a dream. Yet when we came to see you that night, you seemed so calm. You were working on the bust of your husband, a man you'd just shot. Yes. Do you remember the cloth I covered it with? That was part of the robe which I'd ripped up when I got home. Well, that seems to clear up most things. But I would like to get hold of the silencer from the gun. Where is it? I gave that to your wife yesterday. What do you mean? When I saw your car coming up the road the evening of the crowning, I, I, I had a quick look round to make sure I'd done everything as I'd planned. And there was the silencer sitting on the table. Fortunately, the clay of the bust was still wet, so I pushed the silencer into the base. It's in there now. Tell me, did you really think you would get away with this murder? Oh, yes. Why not? It was a good idea, you know, and I think I carried it out efficiently. I'm quite a good actress, better than Glenys Lane, anyway. But it all went sour when Will Pennard got involved. He was so decent, he really was. He, he had good thoughts about everybody, even Rodri. And he loved me. He walked into that minefield because he couldn't bear the thought of turning me over to the police. Since then, I haven't cared very much whether you caught me or not. Yet you were quick enough to plan a getaway once you realized my wife was suspicious? Self-preservation, I suppose. They're coming. Yes. In, in a few more minutes... I'll be in jail. Yes.
I'm frightened. <laughs> 